Welcome to We Need to Talk About Tech, tech. Uh, where we talk about the past, present, and future of technology. On this week's episode of the podcast, we talk about Dodge's new eMuscle initiative. We talk about Snapdragon G3X gaming platform, the console we've been waiting for. And we talk about robots that can mimic emotions. All right, on to topic number one. So Dodge Motor Company, pretty, you know, somewhat popular. They make Challenger, they make the Charger. They've made engines like the Hemi, the Hellcat, the Demon. They've made names like that household names. But uh, kind of one problem that they're running into is that they're reaching the limitations of what a V8 engine is able to do through all the years of kind of perfecting their craft and engineering and over-engineering. They've reached the limit of performance when it comes to a V8 internal combustion engine. So kind of what the people at Dodge have concluded or come to terms with is if they want to keep on pushing the performance of their cars, of their vehicles, they're going to have to go electric. And this is kind of, I think this is a big turning point for just car companies at large, right? Because for we've talked about this before. For the longest time, it was electric vehicles aren't fast or electric vehicles aren't cool. But if you look at a company like Dodge, who is, who makes fast cars, who makes cool cars, you know, American muscle cars, and is now saying, hey, if we want our cars to be faster, we have to go electric. That's kind of, that's a big turning point in terms of the narrative for electric cars. I mean, it's one thing for Tesla to be from the ground up, built on electric, but for a company that is, you know, as known for for internal combustion engines as you can be, to say we need electric to be better, I think that's a pretty big thing. But what are your thoughts on this this news? What we've kind of heard? Yeah. So like Chrysler Group and Stellantis or, or whatever you know is the company that owns them all. Uh, they've been definitely looking at a future of embracing electric, and they're kind of their kind of mentality seems to be a little bit different than what Tesla has been doing. You know, Tesla makes these really efficient, really focused pieces of tech that, you know, have really low drag and, you know, really focused on embracing the idea of what an electric car should be or a car of the future should be. What Dodge, Chrysler, and Jeep have been doing, or at least been hinting at, is still keeping the kind of soul of what gas powered cars can be. And, you know, there's, there's pluses and minuses to that. And one of them, for example, you know, uh, Jeep recently came out with the, the Jeep Wrangler four by E, which is a hybrid version of the Wrangler, but it's still a Wrangler and Wranglers are not very uh, efficient vehicles because they're kind of blocks on wheels. And the hybrid isn't much better. You know, a lot of people talk about how, oh, hybrids are supposed to get you great gas mileage. Well, the Wrangler mileage is not that great for the hybrid. And yeah, that might be counterintuitive to a lot of people of what, you know, the idea of an electric car or an electrified car should be. But there are a lot of people who, you know, would be willing to embrace, you know, electrified cars, whether by hybrids or fully electric but don't want cars that look like giant bubbles. So, you know, 
a lot of people are not, including myself, are not fans of the way, you know, modern Teslas kind of look. They're very, they're very sleek. They're very like kind of roundish. And if you look at things like uh, Jeep's muscle, sorry, not Jeep, but uh, Dodge's muscle cars, like the Challenger and like the Charger, these are very muscular looking vehicles. They're not slippery. They're not sleek. They're not, you know, they don't look like something of the future. They actually look like something from the past. And I think because of that, they're some of the best looking cars on the road, especially the Challenger. Uh, I love that vehicle. And the idea that we could be seeing an electrified version of these cars in 2024, one that's really cool, just because it'll be a different look than what we're seeing from most companies. But two, another really cool thing is Dodge's muscle cars are known for doing one thing and one thing only, and that's putting a lot of power to the rear wheels and going fast in a straight line. Um, and we haven't really seen that for the most part from electric cars. Like we have seen Tesla Model S Plaid that's supposed to be really fast in a straight line, but that's not necessarily the focus of that car. For a company to make that the sole focus, the way that they kind of made it the singular focus of current challengers with these giant engines, I would be so curious to see what engineers kind of decide to do with electric motors and an electric powertrain in a in that kind of mindset. And it could be something like like we haven't seen before and be really fun and really different, which is what excites me the most. But yeah, I, I think you're 100% right. This is kind of like a, a cool thing that that dodge could be doing in a midst of a bunch of companies saying they want to go electric you know at some point we are going to have to see an electric muscle car and who better than dodge to do it and as early as 2024 no doubt which could be really cool to see yeah i mean you mentioned 2024 kind of what the company has said is that as early as you know january 2022 so we're looking at a couple of weeks mm -hmm. now right as early as january if you know, possibly the latest they're talking about is February. They're going to have some sort of concept as to what their electric muscle cars will look like in the future. And they're saying that by the end of 2024, they're going to stop production of all current muscle cars. So 2024 is going to be the last chance for anyone to buy a gas-powered Challenger or a gas-powered Charger, right? So after 2024 everything muscle from Dodge is going to be electric, which is a pretty big milestone, especially if you think like, hey, we're about to be in 2022. A lot of these other companies like Audi, you know, like Ford have kind of projected for 2025, 2030. But to say in two years, you're going to take one of the most recognizable cards, at least in North America, right? You're going to take one of the most recognizable cars, let's say, in the Challenger, and you're going to make it all electric. That's a pretty big statement. But no, yeah, I'm definitely excited to see what they choose to do with it. Because as you said, you know, Teslas are very, they're almost, like you said, bubbles on wheels. They're very round. They don't have a very aggressive stance to them. Not to say that they aren't fast vehicles, not to say that they don't handle well, but there's a sort of a soft look to it. Now they have the Cybertruck that's supposed to come out at some point, which definitely doesn't look soft, but... It's not a muscle car. If anything, it's sharp. It's like you took a blade and you, you put wheels on it. Like it's, it still doesn't look that appealing to me, yeah. at least. Maybe some people it does. But there's something about an American-styled muscle car 
that Dodge just has, you know, they have the formula for, they've perfected the formula. So like, as you said, to then see an electric version of that, they're going a completely different route than Tesla is, right? And I think the more companies that come on like this, the more, you know, traditional gas powered companies, you know, traditional V8 muscle car companies, more people like that, that come onto it, the more variety we're going to get with these cars and the more we'll be able to see from them. Because most electric cars, like the Mustang Mach-E that we've seen, have been, they've been following the Tesla route, right? They're trying to reduce the drag coefficient. They're trying to be very smooth, not too many sharp edges. But I mean, they haven't fully revealed it yet, but I am definitely looking forward to see Dodge come out with some sort of a classic type muscle car with an electric powertrain in it. Now imagine, let's say if Ford takes a note out of their book and they say, all right, you know, everyone was a little bit upset about the Mustang Mach-E. We're going to re-release the 69 Mustang, same exact body, but with an electric engine in it. People would lose their minds. Oh, yeah, I'd lose my mind. <laughs> that would be that would be one of the best selling cars by far in North America, right? We're North American. We we're kind of biased to those type of cars, but I think they would lose their minds and people would love that a lot more than they like the Mach-E. I personally don't mind the Mach-E. Not my favorite electric car, not my favorite Mustang, but I think companies should try and try and take a look at, okay, what do people like from us? What is our brand built on? And almost double down on that while still thinking forward, right? Like Ford F-150 all electric, they didn't decide to completely redesign it and make it all smooth edges and, you know, make it a solar panel on the back. No, it's, it's an electric F-150. It's an F-150 that happens to be electric. I think more companies doing things like that, I think it's going to be better for the, the EV industry. Yeah, yeah, you're 100% right. And this is why I think something like this, I think for a lot of electric car purists, they might not be a fan of, of this kind of uh, approach. But I think for a lot of people who really are attached to to gas engines, I think we said multiple times, that's not really going to change. Even if, if all cars go to electric, there's still going to be a, a large amount of people who have a, a soft spot for those, you know, superchargers in, in the Challenger that make that, that high-pitched whine when it's, you know, cruising down the road. That's not going to go away. But the more you can kind of mimic that brawny muscle kind of feel in an electric car, I think it's going to appeal to a lot of people. And a perfect example of this, you mentioned you know, what Ford did with the F-150, but also what they did with the concept F-100, where they took a, an old F-100 truck, truck and, you know, just slightly modernized it very slightly, put an electric motor in it, and people went crazy for it. They really liked it. And I think this is one of the cool things about electric cars is because they're so less complex than a typical, you know, gas engine that has thousands of parts, moving parts to, to get a car to run. By comparison, electric cars are much more simple, which means you can do a lot more things. You can do, for example, we've seen with Rivian how they have 
a platform that can be adapted to different vehicles and you're just putting that that vehicle on top of that platform same thing with Hyundai Kia you know they have so many electric vehicles especially overseas because they built a platform that you can just plop a body on top of and it makes it very cost effective so this could mean that maybe we might see a lot more retro style vehicles on you know an electric platform just because it would be so easy to just take that body put it on an electric platform and sell it and i yeah i would definitely be super happy if we saw something like a a 60 late 60s mustang you know uh updated for for a new electric future my dream car r32 skyline gtr with an electric engine that's we don't need the new gtr you can retire that <laughs> it's played out r32 skyline body with an electric engine someone if nissan's not going to make it happen someone needs to make it happen. yeah that's that'll be a great youtube series <laughs> yeah <laughs> On to our second topic of the day. Snapdragon, in conjunction with Razer, recently announced the G3X gaming platform, which is their developer kit to show off, I guess, one of their newer chips. So the chip is the G3X. And as we mentioned in our last podcast, you know, we were talking about the the Snapdragon Summit in Hawaii that they accidentally didn't invite us to. <laughs> And we kind of hinted at the end that, hey, you know, there is supposed to be some sort of Switch style Snapdragon console coming out in the future. And what do you know? The next week they came out with it. So they probably were listening to our podcast. They're like, oh, man, you know what? We forgot about that. Let's go and release it for these guys to talk about. So, you know, thanks for listening to us, Snapdragon. You know, it means a lot to you. Um, but they've launched a developer kit in combination with Razer. Razer, the gaming accessory company. I believe they make gaming phones too. They a pretty solid hardware company. This is it's a 6.65 inch OLED panel, 1080p, 120 hertz, five megapixel camera, front facing, so you can stream. They're calling it the ultimate streaming tool. You know, when it comes to connectivity, obviously things like 5G, millimeter wave, sub six, Wi-Fi 60. Pretty much all the stats you would want to see from any sort of mobile device in this current generation, this kind of takes off. But my question to you is, with things like the Switch being so successful, with things like the Valve Steam Deck, I mean, there was a lot of positive reception towards it. Unfortunately, it's been delayed. Maybe that's because the supply was so high, but, you know, are we entering a sort of new era where everyone is going to be popping up with these almost switch clones in a way, right? Our handheld gaming systems making a comeback. So we're going to get more things like the switch, maybe something from PlayStation, maybe something from Xbox. Do you think this is the second coming of handheld gaming? Uh, yes and no. Um, I definitely think this is, I think the second coming of handheld gaming happened when the switch came out and the amount of excitement that was for it was definitely going to start momentum of more people trying to emulate the Switch's success. But but uh, the, the biggest difference as to why me personally, and I think a lot of people, are very excited about the Steam Deck and probably won't be about the Snapdragon G3X is when it comes down to it, it's about the games. And what makes the Steam Deck so cool 
is that Valve wanted to make the claim. They came out and made the claim that they want the Steam Deck to support in some way all of Steam's games, which for someone like myself who owns a bunch of Steam games, but also, you know, has a bunch of games on my list that I want to buy and I'm always contemplating whether or not I want to get it for my PC or the Switch, it makes that decision so much easier because it's going to be cheaper on Steam and I can also still play it handheld. And to me, when it comes to indie games and, and smaller games, there is no better form factor than than handheld. And if Valve can actually pull this off, it will be the best console out there to play those types of games. I think that's something that the Snapdragon G3X can't really compete with right now. Because, you know, the first thing that, that we saw with this prototype, a few outlets got their hands on it, including IGN and CNET. And they got to play around with it. And and for the most part, you know, the, the impressions are pretty positive. You know, the hardware might seem a bit cheap, but it is a, a dev kit. So that's that's not that big of a deal. But what is a big deal is that this thing is running Android. And outside of maybe something like Genshin Impact, there really isn't any handheld game out there right now that would make me think I need to get the Snapdragon G3X for this. Because... Let's think about this, you know, in another way. There is the Snapdragon 888 processor out there right now on phones that a lot of people have already. And you can play games like Genshin Impact. Sure, it doesn't feel as good because you're using touchscreen controls. But some of the most popular games, they're made for touchscreen controls. Things like Call of Duty Mobile or Fortnite or uh, especially something like Pokemon Unite, which a lot of people have said it actually pays, plays better with touchscreen controls than it does with uh you know joysticks and and a traditional controller maybe that could just be people getting used to touchscreens on their phone and you know getting really comfortable with that or you know maybe it could be that android and android games are designed for touchscreens first and the idea of having a dedicated handheld android power machine is definitely not nearly as exciting as the switch which has nintendo's games behind it or the Steam Deck, which has Valve's entire library behind it. So yeah, I think that's where Qualcomm might be facing an uphill battle. And it reminds me a lot of, if anyone remembers, the Ouya, which was an Android-powered home console that had a little bit of excitement about it before it came out and quickly fell off the face of the planet. Um, I would, wouldn't be surprised if a very similar thing happened to something like the G3X, the only saving grace I could see for it is one, if it was very, very affordable um, to the point where it was maybe even half the price of a Switch and was marketed more towards people who wanted to play uh, emulated games. Things like uh, Game Boy, DS, 3DS, you know, Super Nintendo and stuff like that. I think then it could be a pretty uh, successful idea, but then you face issues of, you know, how do you market it, market something as an emulator when Nintendo, Sony, these guys don't want anyone emulating their games. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's one of those things where I don't know where this fits in the way that they're positioning it right now. It doesn't make sense to me personally, but I'm, I'm curious. How about you? What, do you? what do you feel about this G3X platform? And do you think Snapdragon can actually carve a niche out for a handheld gaming console 
I'm definitely, I'm definitely interested in it. I, you brought up a good point. You know, most of, especially because this is running Android, most Android games are designed for touchscreen. They're not designed to be adapted for something with controllers. So the fact that this is running Android, it's going to make it difficult to have as big of a, a game library if you know if you want to compare it to something like Steam, or even if you want to compare it to some to something like Switch, right? I think it is. I think one thing where it's going to be very useful is game streaming. Mm. You know, in in some of the the videos I've seen in some of the write ups, people really emphasized, okay, hey, you could use this to stream to stream Xbox Game Pass. Part of why they're so you know, part of why the connectivity is such a big part, you know, the 5G millimeter wave, the sub-6, the Wi-Fi 6E, is so that when you are streaming Xbox Game Pass or the PlayStation Stream Play, it's as little lag as possible, which I think I think is a very interesting proposition. I still don't... I don't think it can be as successful as, let's say, the, the Steam Deck because if the main reason why you're getting let's say this device, this console is to stream your Xbox games when you're on the road, right? Like you said, is this going to be very affordable? Because if not, why would you spend all that money on a device just to stream your, stream your games when you're not around your Xbox, right? I guess a couple other questions I had too is they just came out with the Snapdragon 8 Gen 1 mobile platform for pretty much every high-end phone coming out in 2022 you might even get one before 2021 is done but their next flagship chip is the snapdragon 8 gen 1 how does this compare to it right last year we had dedicated gaming phones that we were kind of you know we're not sure what the market is for dedicated gaming but you mentioned things like pokemon unite you know you mentioned things like genshin impact like call of duty mobile and we had phones like the Asus ROG phone, the Legion Phone Duel. How does this compare to those phones? Because the way I look at it, at least if you have one of those, it's maybe it's made for gaming, but it's still a phone, mm-hmm. right? So if you need to be on TikTok, if you need to watch YouTube videos, or if you want to just make a phone call, you know, your gaming device can do that too. Is this going to be the same sort of thing? Is it going to be a gaming device? But hey, you can also make phone calls. You can also go on TikTok. You can also, you know, go on Instagram on your Snapdragon G3X. Because if not, then you're kind of, there's a trade-off there. If you're getting it just to play video games or maybe even just to stream your Xbox games, why would you choose this over a mobile phone? Especially if they're running the same operating system. Now it you know there are some benefits to this compared to a gaming phone. The device is bigger, it's thicker because it doesn't have to be as thin as a phone. So it has better intake for cooling. It has better thermal management. It's going to be able to run. I guess the chip will technically be able to run hotter, but it will be cooler because it should have better thermal management than a phone. But when you look at these future phones coming out, like. Let's say the Asus ROG Phone 6. Is it going to feature this, this G3X chip? Because this is the dead, this is the gaming chip, the mobile gaming chip from Snapdragon, or are they gonna go the, the 8 Gen 1? 
because this is the flagship chip from Snapdragon. My money's kind of on the 8 Gen 1 because they have to also be phones. They can't just be gaming devices, right? But it's it's a developer kit. Yeah. So the point of it is to say, okay, hey, or we can make something to power devices like this. This is just the first example of it. As you said, it's, you know, it's not the best build material, but that's because it's a developer kit. They're just trying to show developers what's possible. For all we know, a year from now, we could be talking about, you know, the Asus ROG Phone 7 that has controller grips that clip onto the side and is powered by this chip. So it is pretty much a switch that turns into this, this handheld console, right? But I, I'm excited to see it, you know, as always, the competition podcast. Mm-hmm. But I, you know... I'd have to agree. I don't think it will be as successful as a Steam Deck will be whenever it does come out. Yeah, yeah, I think you're 100% right. Like this thing seems a little redundant from the company that already supplies chips for gaming phones that can already have, you know, physical controls kind of grafted onto them. But you're right, like streaming is a really popular thing and it's only going to get more popular as time goes on and internet gets better and 5G gets better, which... Qualcomm is going to be kind of the the front bearers for for good 5G chips. But yeah, it, it's it's redundant and if if I'm Razer who made this this prototype and I know that I can that Valve is has put out all the tools available for anyone to make a Steam Deck like device and it's that or Qualcomm this Qualcomm G3X Android based gaming thing for streaming I would 100% rather make something that has access to Steam and the tens of upon tens of tens of thousands of games available for it. So yeah, it's it's one of those things where I agree with you. I, I can't wait to see what a retail unit would look like, and and maybe they can prove me wrong and and prove us wrong and show us hey, there's there is actually a really compelling handheld that can be powered by Qualcomm's G3X kind of platform. Um, and yeah, that would be really cool to see, but overall right now, it definitely seems like, like Steam Deck and Switch are the front runners for, for the future of handheld gaming. Okay. On to our final topic. Recently, a company named Engineered Arts, which was a UK based designer and manufacturer of humanoid robots. They got a little bit of spotlight. They got a 15 seconds of fame or probably a little bit more than that now. But a video has been circulating of a very lifelike robot. It kind of, it's standing there and it looks like it's asleep. And then it wakes up and it starts showing the motions on his face. It wakes up and it, you know, looks a bit confused. It looks a little bit frustrated. Like, you know, when your mom would wake you up too early Saturday morning and then kind of looks at its, its hands and its arms and it almost, you know, its eyes get wide. It's like, oh, wow, what's what's going on it's so amazed and then the video ends and it looks at the camera at the viewer and it smiles it kind of reaches his hand out like hey how's it going all of this lasted about 42 seconds but a lot of people a lot of people had a lot of emotions from this robot that had emotions or showed emotions we don't know what it actually felt you know some people were amazed that wow look at this technological feat they could design a robot like this a lot of people were just nope not having it too realistic we don't want robots taking over 
I mentioned the video to you. I think I'm, I might have sent it to you. I might not have. But what are your thoughts on this, this realistic, lifelike looking robot whose name is Ameka, actually? A-M-E-C-A, if anyone wants to look it up. Yeah. Um, my, well, my first thought went to, you know, uh, what some people said, really cool technology. Like, I, I am so curious of how many motors are in this thing to make such small adjustments uh, to those facial expressions. And I imagine that maybe, like, I, I honestly I can't imagine what the the use case for this is or why because they're selling you know they, they make these kind of humanoid robots that they sell like you mentioned I don't know why anyone would buy this unless I'm uh Walt Disney and I'm trying to get like a really cool ride uh on my theme park uh and I just need like but I would imagine this is very expensive um still very cool and one of the things that that really got to my mind is this is almost like bringing digital mocap what we've done for you know games that really impressed me like uh hellblade senua's sacrifice which is just really well acted video game where you can see all these emotions on this digital character's face to the point where it almost feels like you're looking at a real thing it's like that uncanny valley of is this is this a game or is this real? And obviously you you know it's a game, it's it's 3D and it's digital, but the way that those emotions are captured on a face, especially from someone who's been playing games for from the days when when uh you know things were in 2D and and in black and white and you know everyone got their mind blown when the Game Boy Color came out to see something. Oh man. <laughs> game Boy Color. Yeah, like to see something that realistic in a video game or in something like uh, Last of Us Part Two, is is really impressive. And then now that technology being, you know, into some kind of an animatronic, uh, I mean, I wouldn't put this thing in Chuck E. Cheese. I'm pretty sure that would terrify kids. But, <laughs> you know, it's just really cool to see uh, where they can go with these motors. And, yeah, I just would really love to see underneath the the face of this thing to see all these actuation points going on it to see exactly how they're pulling this off and i would also love to see how they are programming these these facial expressions are they using mocap are they specifically taking um someone's expressions and mapping them to these specific motors so that let's say i was a walt disney and i was buying this thing could i remap these emotions if i wanted to use it on a different ride and then thinking you know maybe 10 20 30 years in the future does this lead us to, you know, a Westworld-like type of situation? Which <laughs> I, I think, I know most people, especially if you watch the show or the movie, would probably go strictly to a negative kind of aspect because those that movie and the, that show ended kind of negatively. But, I mean, on the positive side, that could be really, really cool of, you know, if you go to... Uh, Disneyland and you go to the Marvel section and you see something that looks exactly like Captain America walking around and you know smiling at a kid or something like that that could make their day um and yeah th that magic already kind of does happen with actors but yeah it it's just one of those things where it's going to be really interesting to see where this goes in the future but overall uh I know there was a lot of of kind of scary kind of reaction to it of oh this is kind of terrifying 
I didn't get that. It's clearly like a programmed thing. Um, and it's clearly there to mimic emotions. Like that's its purpose. And, you know, that to me does not scare me. That just shows how cool, how cool we can get with engineering and programming. And when we put those together, you know, the kind of things that, that can be made. I say we, like I had anything to do with this, what they did <laughs> to make this really cool thing. But yeah, sorry, go ahead. What, what did you, how did you feel about this, uh, this whole thing? Well, before that, did you see their other robot Mesmer? Yes, I have seen it a while ago. Um, so for anyone who hasn't seen Mesmer, they have a second video that they posted. And this is, so the other robot, it was a life-size, you know, human, let's say. But the the face kind of had obviously a synthetic skin. It was, it's clearly a robot that they designed to show emotion, like you said. This was clearly, you know, a demonstration of, okay, look at this, this cool robot we designed. They're not trying to trick anyone into say, oh, wow, I thought that was a human the whole time. That was a robot. Wow, I can't believe that. They have a second robot, Mesmer, which is just a head sitting on a table. But they have, they've 3D printed and created, you know, a fake skin to put over the robot. It sounds kind of creepy, but... According to them, they use 3D scans of actual humans to give the robot accurate bone structure, skin texture, and lifelike facial expressions to make it a lot more convincing than Mesmer. Now, this robot, it kind of it sits on the table. The robot, the robot head sits on a table. It kind of wakes up. It looks around, and that's the thing. It has lifelike eyeballs it has lifelike face it kind of winks at you it moves its jaw around it has teeth it has eyebrows and it's kind of looking around and moving its head so when i saw this one when i saw the second one i immediately thought westworld Mm -hmm. we're going towards westworld and you know it it would be cool for things sort of like what you said you know if you have a kid at disneyland and their favorite their favorite character they want to meet this brings that that can make that character that much more lifelike Mm -hmm. so you have the actual whether it be on a tv show or a movie you have that actual you know spitting image of the same person not okay we've hired an actor that looks like them or you know we've hired an actor that does a good imitation no this is the same person we've copied them and made a robot of them and now they're walking around disneyland we're quite some time away from that but, you know, it's an, it's an amazing engineering feat. Now, these are these two robots. This company is very different than what Boston Dynamic is, right? They have their acrobatic robots doing flips, dancing. They've built their dog robot, you know, spot the dog who can go into small spaces and do sort of scavenging. These are two very different companies and two very different types of designs. But... I think it's only a matter of time before we have the Boston Dynamics who can build these super athletic, you know, dynamic robots that can do almost anything physically. And then we have these super realistic, lifelike looking robots that look like they can convey emotions and kind of can mimic things that people do. I think there's only it's only a matter of time before these two kind of companies merge together and we get 
you know, a hyper-realistic looking robot that can do flips mm-hmm. and, you know, do dance moves and <laughs> do all kinds of crazy stuff. But it's we're getting closer and closer to, I guess, a more sci-fi future being like our sci-fi present. Well, I, I kind of actually have some some questions like about that. Like, do you think there is a need or a purpose for something? Because you're right, Boston Dynamics has a very different kind of mindset on on the the robotics that they're they're kind of making, and and now they're owned by Hyundai. So I would imagine a lot of their future development might go into either mining steel or or building and developing cars. You know, maybe they might focus more on that, but clearly their machines have a purpose, uh, a purpose that is tied to work that needs to be done. Whereas, you know, Mesmer and uh, what was the new one called again? Um, Amica? Mesmer is the new one. Ameca, or I guess, I don't know. I saw Mesmer second. So Amica and Mesmer. They are more about appearance. Like they're trying to convey a realistic appearance, which to me personally is less useful than an actual robot dedicated to a job. And we had this similar conversation when uh, Elon Musk brought out the Power Ranger uh, to talk about his (laughs) upcoming Android. And we talked about, you know, when we see things like Bot Handy or what General Motors was doing, they were catering machines for specific tasks. And they were good at doing those tasks because they didn't work like humans because generally humans they're really good at doing a lot of variety of tasks but when it comes to a specific task not necessarily the best which is why we make tools to help us do it better um but you know the the elon musk power ranger had a very different kind of aesthetic it was very humanoid like and we both talked about yeah that's probably not as useful so outside of maybe something like animatronics and even if it was animatronics, do you can you really see a purpose? Maybe there's something that that we're missing. That there's companies that would want something like this. I'm just wondering. Can you think of anything at the top of your head that would say, "Yeah, this would be perfect for this kind of of industry"? I mean, outside of the entertainment industry, no. I, yeah, outside of entertainment, we don't need a humanoid looking you know realistic looking robot that can mimic emotions we don't need that from a robot you know we talk about maybe in some hospitality sectors it could be useful to have but i mean now we're getting into the oh they're gonna they're creating robots to take our jobs away from us and to replace us well i mean like you when you look at boston dynamics and spot the robot yeah, they're not taking your jobs away. These are just, these are completely different things. But when you talk about a robot that can convey emotion and mimic emotion, that is actually trying to take the job of a human because that's really something that only humans can do. I mean, animals, you know, support animals can convey emotion too. But that is, yeah, it's outside of, you know, maybe hospitality or maybe, you know, your server at a bar or server at a restaurant, you could have one of these robots too, but I really see this as strictly entertainment driven. 
Yeah. And the engineered arts, the company behind Mesmer and Emeka has said that, you know, we're creating these for entertainment purposes. We're going to have them at venues. We're going to have them at, event, at events just to kind of show people, hey, look at this crazy thing that we've created. Look how lifelike this robot looks. They've said they're not creating it, you know, to, or they haven't said it, but it's not like they're saying, you know, we're going to use these robots to take everyone's job away from them. And you're not going to have teachers anymore. You're going to have this Mesmer robot sitting on a desk talking to your kid. They're doing this to entertain people. And it is entertaining because, I mean, a lot of people have talked about it on the internet. We're talking about it now. Mm -hmm. There's going to be a lot more people talking about them in the future. I think strictly for entertainment, this is a great feat. And, you know, just throwing this out there, Emeka is going to be on display at CES 2022 in January. So, you know, if anyone's planning on going, checking out Emeka, reach out to us, let us know. We'd love to hear some firsthand experience. Maybe you'll go yourself. I know how much you love CES. My second Christmas, yes. <laughs> it's your second Christmas. I mean, I think I even heard you say it was your first Christmas at one yeah. point. But <laughs> I could see, I, I see Boston Dynamics being more useful in the future mm -hmm. because i guess they're designed to be useful i guess that's the yeah, what well, i i think i i completely agree with you and honestly when it comes to robots taking jobs i mean that's something that's always happened it's it's always going to continue to happen um you know there's things like like ivr's uh, interactive voice response machines that everyone complains about when they call any company for any kind of help they got to go through 10 different hoops of speaking to some robot uh, to get to actually talk to a person. And the reason why they do that is because they want less people on the phone so they don't have to pay as many people and get more kind of situations solved with either talking to this IVR or doing something online. And yeah, companies are always looking for ways where you have to interact with people less uh, because it's cheaper. And, you know, if this company can find ways to market these machines in that kind of way great i i don't think that at any point at least right now that's going to be feasible because the amount of motors that it's going to take to make these expressions happen or you look at something like boston dynamics to have these machines balanced out these are multi-million dollar kind of uh investments for things that aren't really proven right now and, and aren't don't really have a, a solid uh, place for them to exist in the workforce. But yeah, I think you're 100% right. This is more tuned towards the entertainment side. And right now I can really see, especially like when we talk about Disney World, maybe not so much the humanoid kind of uh, actors, because I think you're right. There There is a level of... of realism you can get with someone who looks like that person who plays them in a movie but it's impossible to get someone who looks like mickey mouse so maybe you know uh, a machine like this that can have that many motors in the body of something that isn't human um might be able to bring a little bit more realis realism to things like like disney world but yeah yeah i i could imagine that uh, a lot of people who are interested in the future of animatronics might be really interested in what what is being done here with with these with these robots and it's kind of really cool to see definitely cool to see let's say in the future you know you got your electric car you don't want to drive it you have a driver 
Would you rather have a Boston Dynamics spot robot or would you rather have a Mecca driving you around? Well, one of my favorite childhood movies of all time is a movie called Total Recall. And in that movie, the cabs are something called a Johnny Cab, which is literally a robot from like a little bit higher than the waist up driving you around in a ta taxi just saying, hello, welcome to Johnny Cab. So yeah, definitely the Amica style robot or Mesmer style robot is what I would go for just so I could feel like I'm in Total Recall. <laughs> but how about you? Okay, well, uh, definitely the same. I wouldn't trust Spot to drive. <laughs> At least, yeah. The, I mean, the face, the facial features, the, the smiling and all that, it's meant to be comforting, right? It's meant to seem like a human, get some sort of connection from it. I guess my next question to you is do you think do you think Ameka has a robot uprising first or do you think the Boston Dynamic does? Uh, the Boston Dynamic robot does. Which one do you think becoming our machine? Which one do you see becoming our machine overlord first? It's kind of hard to picture either of them becoming that, honestly. In my opinion, um Boston Dynamics is very very tailor-made and very configurable like they're designed for someone to program specific tasks for what they want their their machines to do to me i i see boston dynamics as the same thing as like an assembly line like i, I don't personally fear an assembly line coming to life and, and taking over and but what if skynet gets control of the assembly line even if, like, what is it going to do? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. It's, it's For me, it's not really that. And same thing with, with like, the Mesmer and, and Amico robots. I see them as, like, futuristic versions of Chuck E. Cheese. And I don't know. Those are just things that I personally don't have fears of. But if I had to choose one, um, it would probably be Boston Dynamics just because of the sheer mass of those robots. Uh especially like the bigger ones uh, that do flips and stuff like that. Like I could imagine those can do some damage uh, if they punched you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They flip in, punch you, do backflips out. Which one would you, would you be more afraid of? Like if you were in a Westworld like environment, which one do you see as the mm -hmm. one chasing you down? Do you see a spot or do you see a mesmer? Oh, definitely spot. <laughs> definitely spot. I mean, spot straight out of black mirror. They had, the whole what metalhead episode the girls were getting chased down by those robot dogs with guns jeez oh, yeah or i guess you never watched black mirror did you i, I spoiler no. alert anyone who hasn't watched black mirror don't listen to this part of the podcast <laughs> um but yeah definitely boston dynamics robots i feel could be could stage a more physical uprising yeah but then you know the the engineered arch robots could definitely be more espionage, more behind the scenes, more of like a Senator Palpatine type <laughs> uprising. But I see, yeah, I see one day these robots are going to combine and you're going to have a Mesmer face on top of Boston Dynamics doing flips, climbing the sides of buildings. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting future. Maybe in like a hundred years, so we don't have to worry about it, but one day uh, any closing statements uh no it's just uh honestly i find 
I don't know. I, I'm person who's really excited about uh, a Westworld future, but isn't Westworld. Like maybe not something that specifically. Where the robots don't, don't revolt. Well, not only that, not a world where people are encouraged to be jerks. <laughs> like a Westworld <laughs> in Disneyland is something that I think would be really, really cool. Mm-hmm. You're saying if you were in a Disney World West, yeah, Disneyland Westworld, and you could fight against Darth Vader, you wouldn't, you wouldn't want to beat him up. Um, no, not not. You want to throw him down a shaft? Well, yeah, maybe, but Cut not like in Westworld. <laughs> they took that too well, far. Yeah, maybe not. Like, <laughs> yeah, they took it too far. Uh, take it easy, everyone in podcast land. Catch you in the next episode.